The scripture this morning is John 8, 31 to 47. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you, do, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his... <laughs> I don't know where it went. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, yes. Brian make a mess here. <laughs> I'm going to put this here. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Open our minds to receive the truth of your teaching and illuminate our souls with the light of your grace. Help us to recognize the bondage of sin and the freedom found in your Son, Jesus Christ. May your spirit move within us, enabling us to discern your voice amidst the distractions of the world. We surrender this time into your hands, trusting that you will speak to us and lead us into a deeper understanding of your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The Gospel of John gives us examples of both true and false false faith demonstrated by different people in the gospel. For instance, in the first chapter 
Andrew, Simon Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel had genuine faith. In chapter 2, some only believed in Jesus after seeing his miracles, like turning water into wine and cleansing the temple. However, Jesus did not trust them because he knew their true intentions. That's what uh, the chapter 2 tells us at the end. Then if you remember, in chapter 3, Nicodemus believed Jesus was a great teacher sent by God, but acknowledging this was not enough for salvation. And in, in the chapter number 6 of the Gospel of John, some of Jesus' disciples decided to leave him because he confidently proclaimed that only he could fulfill their desires and guide them to God their Father. And that was enough for them, so then decided to leave Jesus. And as we move to chapter 8, we encounter another group of people who believe in Jesus. That's how it started, uh, chapter uh, uh, 8, verse 30. Still, their faith was easily influenced by the opinions of others, and their faith remain, remained shallow on the surface. However, underneath, underneath this surface level, there is a deeper issue that Jesus wanted to address. So now that we have seen genuine and superficial faith examples in the Gospel of John, let's, let's shift our attention to our context today. Many... Many turn to Jesus to seek personal fulfillment, a better life, or answer to the questions that wait on their minds. Some people often find themselves tired of feeling weak and giving into temptations and yearn for something greater, hoping, hoping to break free from sinful patterns in their lives. Many of us turn to Jesus seeking refuge from fear and seeking a sense of security. We crave, we crave for hope, especially when it comes to what lies beyond this life. We need to have this assurance. What is going to happen to us after this life? And we are seeking for comfort and reassurance. Additionally, we seek a spiritual guidance and, loving, and, and a loving community where we can feel connected and supported. And let me tell you, those things are not run in itself. I grew up in a church being a kid, going to Sunday after Sunday, hearing the gospel, but my heart was far, far away. Right, so those things are not 
are not wrong in itself, but Jesus wants, wants to take us to a deeper level of understanding of why we should be seeking Jesus. So how does Jesus address this problem? Notice the first thing he said in verse 31. If you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus explains that being his followers involves more than just believing in him for a moment and then moving on and continue with your own life. The key to being, to being a, a true believer is perseverance. In other words, endurance. This simple statement should be highlighted in every Bible and remembered by everyone every day when it says, if you persevere, means if you abide in my words, then that means that you are truly my disciples. Living a life of obedience to God will make us true disciples. And those who truly follow him can expect to know the truth and to be set free by the truth. That's what we read in verse 32. Now, understanding the truth goes beyond just gaining knowledge in our minds. Again, take uh, uh, my, myself as an example. I memorize a lot of Bible verses as my daughters in Awana, in the Bible clues, in camps. But that doesn't mean that we are saved. This is knowledge. Truth is personified in Jesus. And in order to fully comprehend it, we must establish a profound connection with Jesus. Building a relationship with Jesus is the only path to discovering the truth. By placing our faith in Him, we can experience authentic freedom. By connecting with Jesus through prayfully reading and abiding daily in His Word, we can fully comprehend the profundity, the profound of the truth of God that is held in this Bible, in this word that is for you and for me. But again, that requires that we daily decide, make a decision, not just yesterday, but today and then tomorrow, to open his word and to ask Jesus, how I can know you more than yesterday? How can I abide in your word? How can I persevere in knowing you day by day? And this is what Jesus was telling these, those who believed in him. And this was meant to be good news for those who were listening to Jesus. But instead, the people got mad at him. 
Notice what they said in verse 33. They answered him, hmm, We are offspring, offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free? Their argument was that they did not need to be free because they were descendants of Abraham. However, this idea doesn't make sense when you consider that they were living under, they were living in a country currently under Roman rule. And before that, they have been captives by the Babylonians and then the Assyrians and then the Greeks. So being related to Abraham did not mean they couldn't be enslaved. But Jesus isn't done yet. That was just his introduction. And he's about to drop a truth bomb that goes beyond their political situation. He says then after that, in verse 34, Truly, truly, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Amen, amen. It is the truth and it is the truth. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Their problems were not political instability or social status or money, or a lack of religious practice. It went much deeper than that. Their main issue was being enslaved by sin. The Apostle Paul put it in a, in a different way in, the, in his letter to the Romans in chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. He told us in his letter, Do you not know what it is? Do you, know, do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And notice what he says in the next verse, 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once a slave, a slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard, notice that, to the standard of teachings to which you were committed. Thanks be to God that you abide the words of Jesus. Thanks be to God that you have persevered in the words of Jesus. Do you know what is amazing about the teachings of Jesus? They are so easy to understand. There is no way that you can get lost. And it's amazing as well that they are still relevant today. He was aware of the difficulties we will face 2,000 years later because our reality nowadays is that sin 
still enslaves us. It's not just a problem that we left 2,000 years ago. No, it is a problem that we are facing nowadays. We try to downplay it, right? We try to tell ourselves that this little habit is harmless. No one knows. After all, everyone has their own hidden um, flaws, pecadillos. And if everyone is doing the same wrong thing, then no one has the right to judge. That's the way that we try to, to think about, about sin. So sin is normalized. Instead of calling it sin, we give it different names like personal preferences or individual liberties. We try to make sin acceptable. We try to make sin presentable. I don't know that expression in English, but in my country we call it, is the same monkey with a different tail. I don't know if that's the same here. To best illustrate my point, let me provide an example. To reduce armed robbery in Latin America City, the president of the country cho chose an old approach. Instead of addressing the root of the problem, he opted to change the terminology used for robbery. Rather than calling it robbery, they call it a social inequality problem. This resulted in a 70% decrease in reported robbery cases. Not because the crime has ceased, but because the name of the offense had changed. When the police cut someone, now this is a political social inequality problem. It's not robbery. So decrease the problem. Right? However, the president's second solution was even more catastrophic. To reduce robbery, the government began paying criminals based on the value of what they stole monthly. Unfortunately, this strategy proved counterproductive as robbery rates double. The government's support of the thieves incentivize more people to engage in criminal activities to get money from the government. So you see the point here. It is dangerous to downplay and normalize sin. Sin, still sin, even if we change the name or even if we change the approach to the sin. Sin even today, enslaves us. And our help comes only from above. And that's what Jesus is telling the people here. Notice what Jesus said in verse 35 and 36, chapter 8. 
the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if, if someone outside of your world, if someone outside of yourself set you free, it's if someone who came from heaven, as he has been telling from chapter 1 to chapter 8, who descended from heaven to help you, if he set you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is the Son, and if he set us free, we truly be free. How amazing is that? It's like a ray of hope shining on everyone listening to Jesus. Those were good news. There is nothing you can do to solve the biggest problem you have, sin. But if the son, who is not a slave of sin, delivers you, then you will be, you will be free Indeed. And just in case they try to argue again that they are already Abraham, Abraham's children and not slaves to sin, Jesus reminds them that they are not acting like Abraham's children. Notice what he says in verse 37. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yet you seek to kill me because my words, my word find no place in you. Because you don't want to listen to me that I am telling you the truth, that I am the truth. And in verse 39 and 40, Jesus continues and says, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I, am, I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Abraham listened to the voice of God. When God told him to, let, to leave his country, his family, and he went to the promised land, and he never came back. That is what Abraham did. And now they have in front of them the word of God. The truth of God. And they are trying to kill him. So that's not what Abraham did. That's what Jesus is telling them. And when they were told that Jesus' father is God and that they were not true children of Abraham, they objected by saying that they were, they were a, a sons and daughters of Abraham too. And again, this is like a... Like a a dialogue that Jesus is having with them. Jesus told them in verse 42 and 43, if you were your father, if God were your father, I'm sorry, you would love me. What a beautiful statement, eh? If you 
were, if, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God. And I am here. I came not of my own accord, accord but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? I have been telling you, I am the bread that came from heaven. I have been telling you, I am the truth, I am the light, I am the life. And the answer Jesus gave it in that same verse 43, it is because you cannot bear to hear my word. It is because you are still slaves of sin. And if you are still slaves, you cannot obey another master. You cannot follow another master. Jesus wants them to understand and wants us to understand that how we relate to Jesus reflect how we relate to God the Father. If you love me, you will love God. And there is no way that you can go around me. He is here to represent his Father. And we cannot claim to love God if we don't love his beloved Son. If we don't follow and love Jesus, then we can't really call God our Father. And therefore, we will continue being slaves to sin. According to the Gospel of Jesus, is that simple? That's the message of the gospel in itself. You love God. You love me. You want, you want to be truly free. Then you need to come to me. And you will be free indeed. And then you need to abide. You need to persevere in my words. Because tomorrow you are going to have doubts about what Jesus is asking you to do. And then on Tuesday you will have again doubts about what Jesus is asking you to do. So every day. Every day. Abide. Persevere. seeing that these words had, had to stir up anger in the people, Jesus felt it necessary to address them directly and help them grasp the truth, grasp the truth about the real Father, even when it was very hard to say it and to receive it. Notice what Jesus told them. This is your reality. And this is the truth. Verse 44. 
You are of your father, the devil. Imagine Jesus saying that. It, 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 was, it was something hard to hear. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Again, he's saying, that's the reason why you cannot receive my words. That's why you cannot persevere because you are still in slave. You are still slaves of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and, though, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. It's his own nature, right? But he is a liar and the father of lies. Those who reject Jesus, those who conspire to kill Jesus, those who spread malicious falsehood about him, were essentially following the instructions of the devil. And notice Jesus' assessment after eight chapters in the Gospel of John. How many times Jesus has been telling them, you want to kill me? And they say, who? We? No, 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 no. You have a demon. You want to kill me. You're spreading lies about me. And they, the result is like, it's not against you that I have something. You are under another master, the devil. It's worth noting that Jesus believes in the existence of a, re of a real devil. Far more dangerous than the picture of the red man with a tail and a pitchfork. For Jesus, and he is the truth, the devil is real. And what he is saying to them is that there are people who served his agenda. And that truth haven't changed 2,000 years later. There are still people who serve the agenda of the devil. Notice what Jesus did. Instead of putting them away, instead of telling them, you are lost case, he was still insisting. If you abide in my words, you will be free. That's the good news of the gospel. Right? And that's how we should respond to people who is against the gospel. Don't take it personal. The book of Ephesians, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. 
So those who are opposing the message of the gospel, those who are rejecting you, those who are putting you aside and ignoring you, is not personal. It's because they are still under the agenda of the enemy, and that is the reality, and we should be praying for them. We should be praying for them that the light of the gospel will illuminate them and they will be open, they will open their eyes and see Christ as the Son who brings freedom to them. It's not against flesh and blood. And as we conclude, I would like to close with a reminder that believing in Jesus' word is not enough. To truly become disciples of Christ, we must wholeheartedly live out his teachings. There is no time to waste this is a call to action. Jesus offers us his life-changing word, which brings us freedom so we can persevere in him until the very end. James make a good advice saying in chapter 1, verse 22, be doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving yourselves. It's very hard to hear. But that's an exhortation. That's a call to persevere. Don't let the devil and his deceitful lies enslave you any longer. If you want freedom, what you need is not therapy. It's Jesus. What you need is Jesus. And if Jesus set you free, you will be free indeed. I urge you, my friends, to seize the moment. Embrace Jesus' offer of freedom with all your might as the only thing that you can grasp in the middle of a sea where there is nothing and there is only just one little life life uh, saver grab it grasp it and never let go don't settle for a lukewarm faith be passionate be relentless and hold fast to Jesus' words. Look around. The battle is raging. And we must stand firm. For in Jesus, abiding in his words, we find the ultimate victory. Let's embark on this journey together, fueled by, by, by the urgency of the hour.
Will you answer the call? Will you answer the call this morning, tomorrow, to live like sons and daughters instead of slaves of our passions and desires, free in Jesus? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the clear invitation that you are offering us this morning. We desire to follow you wholeheartedly. Help us to abide in your words day by day. Help us to know more you to more to know the truth and to experience the freedom that comes from a genuine relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being called your children and for the freedom we have in you. May your work continue to guide us step by step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together this closing song. Heaven is our
decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now and forevermore. Amen.